1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And going through
3: the papers before I came on air uh, today, lots and lots of column inches of what is unfolding in Afghanistan and many, all of the papers, not many, all of the papers, many of them front page photographs of some of the chaotic scenes that came out from the airport at uh, Kabul yesterday. And the airport, of course, is the last remaining route out of Afghanistan that isn't under Taliban control. They've got all the borders now under their control. So what happened yesterday was thousands of really terrified citizens flocked to the airport. Many of them tried to clamber aboard military flights, some of them using any means possible. And I take it you've seen the film uh, footage of planes T- taking off, not trying to take off, they did actually take off, were people running along the runway beside these huge US Air Force planes, and some people clinging to the sides of the aircraft. And then the plane took off with these people clinging to the side of it. And there was some video footage that I saw online yesterday. You saw the plane take off and then within minutes you saw at least three people fall off the side of these aircrafts. Hundreds of feet up in the air, obviously falling to their death. And what really struck me when I saw that was it was a really chilling reminder of the scores of people who unfortunately realised their fate in the burning of the Twin Towers on 9-11. And remember those scenes of people jumping out the window. That's what it was reminiscent of, watching people falling from these planes yesterday. But it just struck me how desperate were those people that they thought the only way out of Afghanistan was to cling to the side of an aircraft that was taking off. It was just absolutely shocking, terrifying and saddening to watch yesterday, the situation in Afghanistan. And then, of course, everybody waited for President Joe Biden to make his speech last night where he was going to explain why this decision was made to pull out of Afghanistan. And he said yesterday that he stands squarely behind the decision to withdraw all the US forces from Afghanistan. And he said that the Afghan government's collapse was quicker than was anticipated. Joe Biden said he had been faced with a choice between sticking to a previously negotiated agreement to withdraw the US troops this year are sending back thousands more American service men and women back into Afghanistan for what would have been a third decade of this war. Joe Biden said he wouldn't repeat mistakes of the past and he did not regret his decision to proceed with the withdrawal and you have to think of the amount of soldiers whose lives have been lost in Afghanistan and I saw some of them reacting on social media yesterday saying what was it all about, those who did survive I saw one uh, UK soldier who had lost both of his legs in Afghanistan but he was talking about the fact that he had lost many of his friends had died in Afghanistan and when he saw what was unfolding there he was questioning why were we sent out there in the first place what was it really all about but yet you can understand then why Joe Biden was saying we don't want to lose any more of our servicemen and uh, women for a uh, war that really, what has what it achieved at the end of the day? If the Taliban are back in, will they do exactly what they had been doing uh, 20 uh, years ago? Now, s- more than 70 countries, including all of the European Union member states, are all, have all called on all parties in Afghanistan to respect and facilitate the departure of the foreign nationals and the Afghans who want to leave. The Taliban yesterday said people should go back to their homes. If they couldn't get on any of the flights and they said they shouldn't be afraid to do that. They were saying that the overcrowding at the uh, at the airport uh, was dangerous and they were saying go back. Everything will be fine. But of course, many Afghans fear that the Taliban will return to past harsh practices. Now, as we heard also, all of the commercial flights uh, the that was kind of the the last visible means for Afghan people to escape they were all abandoned on Sunday evening and then the airport they stopped all flights yesterday because it simply got too dangerous with the amount of people that were on the runway but I did see earlier this morning that military flights evacuating the diplomats and civilians from Afghanistan restarted early th- early this morning that was after the runway at Kabul airport was cleared of the people who were there yesterday The seemingly the number of civilians civilians um, uh, thinned out and I know the US Army have sent in extra people to try to protect the airport so it does look like that the diplomats and some of the Afghan people particularly those that have helped the foreign nationals and who had worked with the Americans, they certainly will, it looks like they will manage uh, to get out over the next uh, day or two. And then a lot of the papers are running interviews with many Afghan citizens who are living in Ireland and they of course are looking on with fear and sadness as what is is happening in their native land and I mentioned them yesterday, I was thinking of Afghan citizens living in Ireland and could you imagine living in a country where you were safe and felt protected, but you had loved ones, maybe parents, maybe siblings, relations, living in Afga- in Afghanistan and worrying what was going to happen to them. There's one young lady quoted in the papers today, Shabman Azad. She was born actually to two Afghan asylum seekers in Iran before they got refugee status here in Ireland. She's lived in Dublin for more than 20 years. She said the Taliban taking power has set her native country back 80 years. She said Afghan women and girls face the prospect of being taken from their families being forced into sexual slavery and being banned from education, banned from working or even banned from leaving their own house without a male guardian. She said the situation is going to get 10 times worse for women than it will be for men. She said they've already seen incidents where not only the Taliban evict families from their houses but they also take their daughters and daughters-in-law and then murder the husbands. She said not only will women be restricted but also if they break the rules they are, will be far more severely punished. She feels like Afghanistan was handed to the Taliban on a silver plate. So she's obviously very nervous and very worried uh, about relatives still left in Afghanistan. And as I say, she came along with her parents some 20 years ago to Dublin and received asylum status in this country. And you probably heard it on the news there with Barry. There's up to 150 Afghan refugees who are going to be offered refugee status on a humanitarian basis and it's going to be done uh, to, on individuals chosen by the Department of Foreign Affairs and the 150 that will arrive will not go into direct provision on, upon their arrival here. The refugees will be brought to Ireland under the Irish Refugee Protection programme. They're also, according to the Department of Justice, no question that people with a deportation order to Afghanistan who live in Ireland would actually now be uh, deported. Those deportation orders uh, will be lifted. But up to 150 afghan refugees already a text in from amy saying uh, is that true is that the actual figure we're only going to take 150 afghan refugees surely uh, a wealthy country like ours should be accepting more would people agree with amy should we be looking to take to, to take more refugees into our country and then we know that there's i think it's 23 irish citizens living in Afghanistan at the moment. Simon Coveney has been talking about them and they are doing everything that they can to get them out of the country because there isn't commercial flights. They're looking now to other countries who are going to be sending in military planes to see if the Irish that are living in Afghanistan, if we can get them out of the country safely. But there's a lady in, in the Irish Independent today by the name of Mary Ellen McGroarty. She is from County Donegal and she heads up the United Nations World Food Programme in Afghanistan. And she's one of those 23 Irish citizens that I mentioned who are currently living in Afghanistan. And she came out yesterday and said she has no intention of trying to leave Afghanistan. The reason why she fears Afghanistan is on the brink of a humanitarian catastrophe. She's been working with the UN since 1997, but she only arrived in Afghanistan last October. She said the scale and the pace of what has happened has really taken them By huge surprise, they never expected the Taliban to move as quickly as they did. But the fact that she works with the United Nations World Food Programme, she says she wants to remain. Her work now is more important than others. Now, she has family, obviously, here in Donegal, in Mount Charles, which is just outside Donegal Town. They're obviously hugely concerned for her safety, particularly when we're watching the devastating footage that we're seeing coming out of Afghanistan. She was last home in July of last year and she's now unsure when she'll get back to Donegal uh, to see her family. Thousands are currently trying to flee but she said she's determined to stay. She is determined to continue her humanitarian work. She said the priority is to ensure that the World Food Programme and the United Nations stand with the Afghan people at uh, she said at this incredibly desperate time she said we're committed to staying we'll do what we have to do to be able to stay now she does admit that she is extremely nervous but she says she's a little team around her and she needs to stay there she needs to steer uh, the ship she says we need to give each other support and she's hoping that they will get, get through and she's now hopeful that in a couple of days time the team will be able to resume their humanitarian work work because she said there is growing hunger crisis within the country. What a brave, brave uh, lady. So while our thoughts and prayers are with the people of Afghanistan, there's one of our own Mary Ellen McGrorty. Let's keep Mary Ellen in our thoughts and prayers as well. What a brave, brave lady. Some of your thoughts coming in on the situation in Afghanistan. Ross says Joe Biden and the US of A should be held guilty of genocide for what is to come in Afghanistan. While somebody else says, can we stop with the crocodile tears, please over Afghanistan. All Irish people have done for the past 20 years is complain about US involvement there. Now all the same usual suspects are out complaining because the US have decided to pull out of Afghanistan. Ireland hasn't lifted a finger to help the Afghani people in the past 20 years. John in Carragher says, Patricia, Simon Coveney saying that we are allowing 150 refugees into this country. Isn't he a great man for allowing 150 refugees? We have... No housing crisis in this country, sure. John being sarcastic. Wouldn't it be more on his line? to look after the people on the streets of Cork 150 refugees will need 150 homes what about the paddies says John in Carrigaline. Jim says hi Patricia such a sad sad photograph seeing the Afghanis clinging to the side of an aeroplane but it all seems to be men and it's the poor women who will be left behind and the Taliban are said to be picking out some of these women and young girls as sex slaves which is absolutely awful how can all of this be uh, stopped. Thanks for that, uh, Jim. And some of your calls into John Paul, Dennis and Balakolik. Everybody was giving out about the Americans using Shannon Airport as their base to refuel as they flew to the Middle East. Many of those were going to Afghanistan. Now that the US is pulling out, people are not happy. What do they want? The US needed a base to refuel in and gather in Europe and Shannon happened to be the base that they selected. Now people feel that they should stay within Afghanistan and they'll be the same people who will not be wanting them to stop in Shannon. I just give up with people these days. No matter what happens you can't please them. I really do feel for all those in Afghanistan. It's just awful and it's dreadful to think that this could be going on in 2021. John in Mallow says, while I do really feel for those on the ground and the innocent people in Afghanistan can Ireland as a nation really afford to take more people into this country. We can't house our own our health service is in crisis so can we really afford to bring more people in. The last thing we want to do is lock them away in direct provision centres but saying that they'd probably be safer in direct provision than they would be in Afghanistan at the moment. Well that's the one thing that they've come out that the Simon Coveney in the Department of Foreign Affairs has said the 150 that will initially come from Afghanistan will not be placed in direct provision. They will be immediately housed. Carmel in McCroom says I really feel for the innocent people in Afghanistan and in particular the women and children. I do think Ireland should take more than 150 refugees. We welcomed so many refugees from Syria here in Macroom. They fitted perfectly into our community and they actually added to our community. They were such beautiful people. While some have left, I'm glad that McCroom welcomed these people because McCroom benefited from having the Syrian refugees come to live amongst us. Thank you for that. 1850-333-103 Some of your thoughts coming into us. Keep them coming. You can text our WhatsApp to 862 103 103
2: Cork today on C one o three
4: with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
3: Over a hundred people from different groups across Cork City and County held a protest in the city to highlight that stage schools are still waiting to reopen following COVID restrictions. Joining me from Centre Stage School, who took part in the protest yesterday, is uh, eighteen. Call Good morning to you, Aideen. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. And there's great photographs, I have to say, in all of the papers uh, today of the protests because there was a similar protest uh, held in Dublin. Now, some people, Aideen, are going to be a little bit confused here because children have gone back into the classroom. Many families are preparing to send their children back to school in the coming weeks. And yet, all of the dance classes, the drama classes, schools like your own Centre Stage uh, School, have not reopened. Have you any understanding why and what is the difference?
5: Well, that that is the, the question that we're all battling with at the moment. Um, so, yes, yesterday we took to the streets, um, both in Leinster House and outside the Cork Opera House, to uh, simply get acknowledgement from the government. Um, we are a national body, which is the Performing Arts Educators of Ireland, Uh, had requested an official statement from government the week of the 2nd of August to give clear guidelines on how state schools such as ours ours, could reopen in September, but to which we received absolutely no reply or acknowledgement. So our sector has just been completely forgotten about with government, which is just so insulting to these nearly 250,000 students and their teachers around the country who just invest so much of their lives to nurturing this rich culture of music and dance, which we are so proud of within our small country.
3: Young people, 18, are back playing sports. Many of them are back playing contact uh, sports. But not all children are sporty. So classes like the classes you offer are really their lifeline.
5: Yes, I mean, uh, that is. And as happy as we are to see all of the children back on the pitches, it just saddens and insults us actually so much to think that the government could neglect many of the children in the country who love to pick up a guitar or put on a pair of ballet shoes or simply just come in to a studio where they have been going perhaps since they're three and four years old and now all of a sudden they can see their siblings heading off to the local GA pitch but they aren't allowed to go back into their dance classes which are obviously naturally uh, socially distanced as a form of exercise already because they all need their own space And they're all supervised by industry professionals. So it is very confusing both for the teachers and for the students and their parents trying to explain this to children who have been so ignored and forgotten about in the last 17 months. So we were first to close in March 2020. And now we look like we we don't know how we're going to reopen again in September.
3: Okay, I know we had a reporter down outside the Opera House and... uh, one of the people protesting was actually one of your own uh, students uh, Sinead uh, Cronin from Mallow. Let's just hear what Sinead had to say yesterday. Let's us perform!
6: Let's It's been a really tough year for all of us. Um, we spent the year on Zoom and I don't know who's ever tried doing dance classes on Zoom but it is not fun. <laughs> I also did leaving search so um, that as well it was really tough for me and especially because dance is my outlet to go in and leave all my stress away and when we couldn't even dance then that was another stress to put on Um, so yeah it was really tough. I don't think it's fair when other things can go back to a bit more normal and we still don't know what's happening. I've been um, in centre stage since I was about four so it's a big big part to me. and yeah, it's been it's been a really, really tough year. We have such a close um, bond and especially because throughout the year we have so many competitions and shows and stuff. So, like, I haven't, we haven't done a show since two years ago. Um, and a big tradition for us is to celebrate our last show because obviously I've been there for so long and now... I couldn't get that we didn't get that show we didn't get that last show of all of us together our graduation was on Zoom <laughs> so that was really sad so yeah uh,
3: that, uh, that's really heartbreaking for Portionate. but I think but, you know her comment about she was doing her her leaving cert and of course children who are sporty will say you know if they can get out and you know play a game of camogie play a game of hurling or get out and run that relieves stress but we forget that you, the dance classes are as important
5: Yes, absolutely. Uh, So many of them have such uh, amazing friendships and get on so well with their teachers. And they have a set time, you know, for years, you know, come to LA on on a Thursday or go to singing on a Wednesday. It's part of their routine. And we all know just how important routine is to children. Um, But yes, it just seems that their confidence and social skills and even the mental health of so many of our students um, when we even when we we got to open for three weeks last September, and we saw them, and we saw them actually in in face to face in the flesh, we could not get over the difference, like their eye contact with both teachers and with each other, or the child who always had their hand up front and centre. That was a child that perhaps you know had, had shifted back to the back of the class. Now it was just incredible. So
3: God, that's heartbreaking. Isn't
5: it, is, it is. It is heartbreaking, Patricia, and. Th- we, you know, thankfully, we did get to go outdoors since the end of April. Um, and we were lucky here in Central in State, we had an outdoor area where we could put up a marquee and you know, run in between the showers. But and So we did get to see them face to face. But not every school has that facility, and particularly those in the cities. Um, and believe it or not, there's in you know, around 50 schools, such as ours, in you know, around the Cork and North Cork area. But that's an awful lot of students an awful lot of families who are watching these students just shrink back into themselves who were once really confident kids who could stand in the middle of a classroom even just to give a presentation or you know put their hand up to tell something to the teacher but they're just simply not doing that anymore.
3: And you know how many parents over the years will say they sent their child to a drama class or to a dance class or a performing arts class in order to build up their confidence?
5: Uh, Yeah and that's the real, that's that's what we, we, that's our business. That's the, how we trade, trade in the happiness and the well-being and confidence of these kids. And they do, most parents, I'm a parent myself, and I see the importance, not not necessarily of all the steps that they learn in dance. It's the importance of how they have the confidence to put their hand up or to say what is they're thinking. Or to simply walk up to another child and say, would you play with me or... <laughs> make conversation, it's the tiny things that, yes, of course they learn in school. However, it's outside of the school setting that they learn an awful lot of those social skills. That isn't just, you know, the 10 minutes at 11 o'clock break or the half an hour a big break. It's in a setting that's outside of the academic world where they have to cope with various other elements within within that social circle.
3: God, you know, it could take years for some of the kids, couldn't to rebuild Mm. that type of confidence uh, again. And, you know, we all know the fallout from COVID and we all know how dangerous COVID uh, can be. But we also have to look at the other effects of COVID and nothing to do with getting coronavirus.
5: No, you said it. I mean, it it is trapped. Tragic, and it's an epidemic all of itself. You know, to see this new generation It will and it will take two or three years, I think, for these kids just to find their feet again and just to stand tall within their own shoes, and and know that, you no, know, yeah, fair enough. They they don't play sports, but that their outlet is still there for them. That they can come back and find those friends that they had in their musical theatre class, or that they have. Uh, somewhere to go on the Wednesday evening that they they were so used to going to before.
3: Okay, and we know everybody wants to keep safe and everybody wants to protect our young people. Do you believe that classes like yours can reopen and can reopen safely indoors? 100%
5: Patricia and I say that not only as the owner of my own school but as a parent and as an ex-primary school teacher and on behalf of so many of the young people here, we have tried and tested so many ways of running these classes indoors, they're all social distanced, we can keep them in their pods of six we can make sure that we don't share equipment, that they don't hold hands, that there, there's no intermixing of pods. We have all the thermometers and anti uh, wipes and antibacterial wipes, everything that we need to run these classes safely that we invested so many thousands in last summer. But we simply have no answer from government as to how we can open the doors again or when we can open the doors. Not necessarily how, but when we can open the doors. There's no time frame or guidelines to allow us to do so. Now, there seems to be wonderful guidelines for hospitality and retail, which is obviously a major part of our ex but it just seems to be that the little bit that our small sector of reven- or generates isn't enough for revenue to be acknowledged.
3: See, I'm still scratching my head. I can't understand why the same guidelines that they have in place for a classroom setting, which I take it in many cases will have many more children inside in one room, than a dance class or a singing class or an acting class would have, but I still can't understand why the same guidelines can't be used for both.
5: Yes, it's so confusing and frustrating, Patricia, for for, for all of us. And we've been so patient, and we're we, we obviously getting back to schools, the education, and getting them back into their local primary and secondary schools is is predominantly a, a must. But now we have waited long enough and we feel if they can get them back to school safely, we can surely do the same in a smaller group setting of 12 and 15, whatever it is, the number they want us to put into, this, into each class, we will do so gladly. However, just please acknowledge the fact that we have no guidelines and no timeline in order to reopen in September, October, whenever. We, we just need to be acknowledged and somehow being give, please give us and these children a chance to get back in and prove to them that we can do so safely.
3: Is there also a danger, Aideen, that some of the schools within your industry may not be able to reopen, that they financially, they'll just have collapsed?
5: Yeah, and and this is another fallout from from COVID. There are, I I know, two or three in the area already and in in the city that they've just decided we can't do it anymore. It's we, we 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 have lost so much revenue in the last seventeen months, and yes, we had support from government, but they just scraped the scratched the surface of all the overheads. We all have rent to pay the whole way throughout. We um, tried to keep, we tried to reopen last September, and a lot of them have said, "No, I can't, I can't keep going." They had mortgages to pay, bills to pay. They had their own families, so some of them went back to retrain and other forms of. of business, went back to college um, and they've now gone from the industry I've lost two or three staff members this September because they just simply couldn't write it out um, and yes, schools will, will certainly not be there if, unless if, if, unless the government allow us to open up sooner rather than later
3: Okay, Kathleen. One of our listeners said it's mind-boggling to think that gyms were allowed to reopen, but yeah. not the performing arts studios. Which again just doesn't Either. make any sense. It's really and and you're saying to me, Adine, you have no indication from the government of not when saying. no. Patricia
5: and Uh. we we had a very official statement went into them the week of the 2nd of August and asked them to get back to us by the 5th of August because obviously we would have to plan our classes and our teachers I mean teachers don't know if they have work uh, come the 6th of September and um, nothing no acknowledgement not even acknowledgement to say that they got the letter they totally ignored us so hence we we, we had to take to the streets yesterday and and hopefully it will create some noise and we're asking for some kind of uh, a decision to be made for our schools, hopefully by the end of this week or if not, by the middle of next week.
3: So unfair, so unfair. Okay, we'll keep in contact with this, uh, Aideen. In the meantime, thank you for that and we really do hope that everybody at Centre Stage School and all of those other uh, performing arts uh, classes will be back up and running sooner rather than later. Thanks for joining us. Much appreciated. Thank Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Aideen McAuliffe there of Centre Stage School in Mallow.
2: 1850 333
4: 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. C-103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10.
2: Four hours of all-time favourites from Cleona Hagen to Mike Denver,
4: Susan McCann to Derek Ryan
2: and Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter.
4: It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed.
2: And everyone is Irish.
4: Join us Sunday mornings from 10am with Leaders Menswear, North Main Street, long-running supporters of men's clothing and GAA. Leaders Wear.
2: Irish Sunday on C103. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on C103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between. We've got it covered. To listen, go to C103.ie and click Regional Reports. Or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports. Only on C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now with traffic
3: levels increasing on our streets as society reopens, Labour Party Councillor John Marr is calling for the introduction of free travel in Cork to find out more. Councillor John Marr joins me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, I'm very well, thank you. No, I take it you're not suggesting free travel for all. Is it certain sectors of society you'd like to offer free travel to?
7: Yeah, sure. well, I suppose what, what what we're doing is that we're asking to trial um, in Cork uh, for free travel for students. And I suppose where this comes from is that, uh, number one, I suppose we know, are, we know that the challenges are ahead of us with regards to the climate. Um, and when we see what happened last week in Cork City when you've 350000 spent on robot trees, you know, whatever you want to call them, um, I, I just feel that there's better ways to improve the air quality. Um, and I suppose if we can get uh, cars in particular, we say go, say sc- going to school and students, um, and if we give them pre-transport as an option, we think that's a, a practical way of, of bettering the air quality. Um, and I suppose so what we're saying at the start is to try and let a student um, both in second level um, see how that goes see the capabilities and and see how the stakeholder um, you know see how they can manage it you know because we're we're aware that there's going to be um, there are going to be uh, we'd say headaches with regards to service providers but if we're really serious about getting cars off the road then we need to provide options Um, and I think by uh, I think the generation uh, the young at uh, that generation they understand the climate crisis and i think that we can we can get a culture going and that they do become reliant on public transport if we provide it and if it's if it's readily available so that's that's it it's a trial we think it's a positive thing and um, and obviously we try you get data back and then you can make a decision uh, from that whether it's a good idea it's a bad idea how much it's going to cost um, but we just feel with the with the current uh, the climate challenges, we're trying to re- uh, we're trying to improve the air quality. Um, yet we still have cars in abundance, and we're still overly reliant on cars. So we feel that this is a, it's a change in mindset, and we feel that by giving it a trial, it would give us the data back. It would give us you know solid figures, and we could make a decision from then uh, where we'd go.
3: Yeah, and anyone who, you know, uses the roads in the morning or if you need to commute to work, everybody knows the frustration when the kids go back to school and all the parents are suddenly back out on the school run. Do you believe a lot of parents would would be happy with this and, and be delighted to see their kids jump on the bus? Look,
7: it's. I suppose it's like any proposal or any idea. You're never going to get everybody on board, but I think there would be a large majority. You know, I think that there would be enough people that it would help them, and um, that it would. Uh, that that I think they'd buy into it. You know, it's not that it for everyone, but you know, that's with everything. And um, I even see it myself. You know, we're just all the reliant on the car. I personally, only for the last couple of months, uh, I I get the car to the shop, which is four minutes up the road. Mm. You know, and that's bad on me. Now i changed it and I'm very mindful of it now. I probably could be, I could do a lot better. And I just think that's what we need to do. And when we, as I said, when, when we're, when we're listening to the news every evening, when we see the climate challenges ahead of us, you know, this is one way of reducing emissions. Um, and as well, like, I mean, you know, I suppose if we're talking about costs, because this has been thrown at me over the couple of days. And, and, and again, I've been working with my colleague, Peter Horgan, and we are trashing it out. And yeah, nothing's perfect at the start. Um, but what we're suggesting is that if we keep going the way we're going, um, we're going to receive massive fines for not reaching our our, the, our targets that we set out. Um, and so it so could it have, could
3: pay us in the long run to invest uh, in this now. But absolutely. but do you have any idea on how much it would cost?
7: No, we we're we're currently the party are currently working on it. We've written to the minister. We've written to the NTA. Um, and the party are currently working on costings uh, for our budget submission in in in, in October. And um, so, like as I say, it's a very it's a very early stage. It's a new idea. It's thinking about something different. And like people look at you, like you know, sometimes I watch a bus and it delivers a service, and it could be empty. It could be four in it. I mean, you know, now not in all places, but you know, where we do have public transport. Sometimes it's not being used with full capacity. You know, leave COVID aside because I understand COVID has brought restrictions in. But outside of COVID, there's times when the bus like so we're paying for that bus anyway. Mm. That bus is making the journey. That train yeah. is making the journey. And I suppose this is part of a wider project as well, where we where we where we improve um, our cycling infrastructure. Where we like we also have. Um, We also have the bus connects for car coming up, you know. So this is not just the only uh, pill that's going to work.
3: There's a number of them. It's Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the overall solution. And actually, uh, Fergus in Blackpool is agreeing with you and says this is a terrific uh, suggestion. Uh, Fergus says the amount of buses I pass uh, every day that is near to empty is incredible. There's a cost to putting that bus on the road. It might as well be full of bums on seats, which is, that's exactly the point it, y- you're making. That, that, that's it. And I
7: suppose look, we do know, and I have heard this, and I, again, I use the bus on the weekends in particular, and I do know we do have a kind of, um, I suppose, sometimes they're not as reliable, and we need to improve that as well. You know, it, this, so this is a number of things that we need to do. I think with the bus connects in Cork at the moment, this is opening up the discussion for bus routes, and we need to, like in my own area in Cork City, we need to we, we don't have a bus to Kilcully, which is three kilometres from the city. You know, we need to address issues like that. Bandos uh, doesn't have a bus service. So we're very mindful that there's other things we need to do and we need to work on them. But I think fundamentally is that we need to change uh, the way we look at things, in particular with the challenges ahead of us. Uh, we need to reduce our Um And I think this is a good thing. And by the way, this is just a trial.
3: Yeah, and you an, would try to right. just in Cork because Dennis says that 600 million euro a year was the estimated cost to give public transport free to everybody in Ireland. That was a report that came out, he says, in 2019. He reckons that was the last time it was uh, discussed who would pay for that. But that's not what you're suggesting at this stage, that it would be free public transport for all. You're saying just for students?
7: Well, I think we should start at students. And again, I think that if we, you know, I look at some of the people I speak to on a a daily basis, they are my own age and maybe a bit older, and, you know, we're conditioned out of the car. And I think by going to students, it gives us a massive opportunity to change that.
3: The future generation.
7: Absolutely. And when when we do look at the news and we, we do look at what's ahead of us, we do have challenges. And I think this is one where we can get people on board we can work with them, and uh, honestly, when people ask me where you get the money, I think that you know if it's a good idea, we we, we find money, and that's what frustrates me. We find money for a lot of, for a lot worse idea.
3: Well, I think the point you made about how much will be we be fined for Fair. for yeah. not meeting carbon uh, targets, exactly. um, and actually talking about that, you and you you touched on it the three hundred and fifty thousand euro uh, robot trees. What did you make of those robot trees?
7: Um, I, I'm not impressed.
3: <laughs> You're not
8: impressed.
7: Okay. Uh, no, I I I feel very frustrated, um, and I can understand why people, uh, why 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 voters and ordinary people are annoyed and frustrated. But I'm one of them as well. Uh, I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated, and um, and I don't, I don't get any out of saying that. Okay, I you think
3: know? it was, I I think it was think think the cost of them. I think was the, the thing that got uh, to Absolutely.
7: most people. And I think, I think local government um, it needs to be local government needs to be local councillors. Uh, deciding things and then we stand over it and you either you you know you live by it or you fall by that Um, and uh, that didn't happen on this one and uh, as I said if you gave me 350,000 as a local councillor or any local councillor across the country they would spend it on far better ideas in improving air quality we need more bicycles than, We, you know, we Cork Zero Bike Racks. We don't. I think we three on the north side of the city. So again, there's an option there. We can put uh, the bollards up in the city to stop cars going in when they shouldn't. You know, there's plenty of other ideas uh, okay. to improve uh, to improve the air quality. And I just feel this one was a bad idea.
3: All right, we leave it there, John. Thank you for that. Sure, and thanks, thanks for joining us. Good morning to you're you. Wrong. That is uh, Labour City Councillor John Mark.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I heard on the news
3: uh, Barry was running the piece about the Lord Mayor of Cork, Colum Kelleher and the letter that he has written to the Limerick Lord Mayor Daniel Butler. And I spotted this, actually I was tweeting about it yesterday uh, yesterday uh, evening because it really brought a smile uh, to my face when I saw it. And I, I spotted on WhatsApp this morning a couple of listeners had sent me on a copy of the letter in case I hadn't seen it. And it's a very official looking uh, letter from one Lord Mayor of one city to another Lord Mayor of another city. And his own English says in today's the front page of Today's Irish Examiner about this letter. It's the political equivalent of a hard pull from Cork City's Lord Mayor on his Limerick counterpart ahead of the All-Ireland Hurling final next uh, weekend. What our, the Lord Mayor of Cork, Cullum Kelleher, did. He wrote to, as I say, it's on the official headed paper and signed and everything looking very official. And I'm sure when the Lord Mayor or somebody in his office opened it, he was under what that, that goodness, what is this all about? But anyway, the letter basically asks the Lord Mayor of Limerick to bring the Liam McCarthy Cup to Croke Park on Sunday for collection for its rightful return home to the site. The letter says, I believe that you have something that belongs to us. It's one of these tongue-in-cheek correspondents. He says, he describes Liam McCarthy, he said, it's about 16 inches high, silver, and it goes by the name of Liam. Sadly, Liam was lost to us here in Cork back in 2006 and after many years of searching we almost found him again in 2013. Down the years since 2006 there's been sightings of him in Kilkenny in Galway, in Tipperary and in Clare for some reason and now I believe he's in Limerick. Liam is a native of Cork whose family's hail from Ballygarvin. One can only imagine that he has found it quite distressing not being back on Leaside in over 16 years and I am sure you are aware and understand there's no place like home and there's certainly no place like Cork. As Mayor of Limerick, can I ask you please to arrange to bring Liam to Croke Park on Sunday for collection. I'll arrange for him to be picked up at around 5.30 and rightfully returned to Leaside Many thanks for looking after him. It won't be forgotten. (laughs) And then it's signed. The Lord Mayor of Cork, uh, Colm uh, Kelleher. And obviously Colm is saying and you've probably heard the piece in the news that he hopes that the Mayor of Limerick Daniel Butler will see the funny side uh, as the countdown to Sunday's clash between the Treaty County and the rebels continue and seemingly a spokesperson for the Limerick Mayor says he's received the correspondent and will issue a suitable reply in due course and we're all waiting to see will those in Limerick be as witty as we are here in Cork can't wait to see the response John O'Donovan has been on to us already about this letter from the city and John said he's worried about it and he hopes that the Lord Mayor of uh, Cork hasn't jinxed Cork's luck for Sunday. He said, I don't remember a letter like that sent before and he said, I hope it doesn't ruin Cork's performance and I'm hoping and assuming, John O'Donovan, that that comment was made very much tongue-in-cheek and remember, we here at C103 we are doing our bit to try to get behind the All-Ireland Hurling uh, finalists and we are looking for each and every one of you to help out. We're asking you to show your support by Decca your house, uh, your business and we want you to do it in the cork uh, colours. Get out the flags, get out the bunting and just try to be as creative as you can. And there's a little bit of an incentive for you to decorate your home or your business because for everyone who WhatsApp has photographs of your creation you will be entered into a competition and on Thursday evening we are hoping to announce the best house and the best business of all of the WhatsApp photographs we have been sent in and we'll be announcing the winners on Thursday evening and the best house will receive a 500 euro cash prize and the best business will receive a 500 euro cash prize. So what's up your photographs please? Ready to see some coming through to us today to 0862 103 103 but you really need to get moving on this because we need to pass all the photographs on to our judges and they'll make the decision sometime on Thursday evening and also check in online because we'll be hoping to show some of the photographs that have been sent to uh, us. So get your photographs please. Be as creative as you can with your flags and your buntings in the to cheer on the All-Ireland Hurling finalists. And I know yesterday we had somebody on to, I think it was a lady in Formoy who was having difficulty getting cork flags. And uh, she'd been to a number of shops and she was saying, you know, I'd love to decorate the premises but I can't find any cork flags. Well we had an amount of people contact us to say to, if you're, it's, if certainly on the streets around the city and in many of the towns there are people selling cork flags and bunting and anything else you'd need to decorate your house and Maureen in Mayfield was on to us to say there's a woman selling cork flags and bunting she's outside the post office in Mayfield so there's loads of opportunities for people if you don't already have your cork flags in which to decorate your premises but once your house or your business is decorated get the photographs into us please WhatsApp 0862 103 103. and I also want to respond to a text that we got in yesterday to do with uh, Wiser bins and the collection of Wiser bins in Dunmanway. There seemed to have been some sort of an issue around the collection of bins. I don't know if this was in the entire town of Dunmanway are just in certain areas of Dunmanway where we the a listener yesterday were very very frustrated in her text to us uh, saying that they put the bins out and they got a text to say put it out on a different day and they did put it out on a different day and then they got another text and the bins just hadn't been collected and she was really really annoyed uh, about it. Well we have got we got on to Wiser Bins and we're waiting for them to come back to us as to exactly what happened with the bin collection as they say the text yesterday was from Dunmanway Manway, so I don't know if it was just isolated with one particular route, one particular run to Dunmanway, where there seemed to have been some kind of a problem. So bear with us on that while we await a reply. And then we've had an email into Patricia at C103.ie from a listener looking for a little bit of advice. Please, can anybody help out this lady who says, Hello, I'm after some advice, but please, please, please don't call out my name. I've been living apart from my former husband for eight years and our two children are living with me. I now feel the time is right to get a divorce. and I just want to know what's the best route to get this finalised quickly and in the least expensive way for me. We were married in the UK. And when we separated, I moved home here to Ireland with the children and he moved overseas. There's no assets. There's no money involved. So I'm hoping it can just be a straightforward divorce. Now, I got a quote from solicitors, but it is so, so expensive. I have applied for legal aid, but I'm now told I'm not eligible. So is this something I can do myself? Is the paperwork too daunting? Advice, please. I'm living in the county of Cork. Thanking you. So has anybody done a DIY divorce? I do know, um, and the, the listener will have to check, are they still? I've checked online and they certainly still are there. There was a company that was set up uh, in the, the naughties, I'm sure was when I remember doing an interview with the lady responsible and it was called DIY I E, and it basically was a lady who was in a similar situation to our listener this morning who was a single parent, unemployed, divorced and was separated from her husband, and three children, wanted to get a divorce, couldn't afford the solicitor's fee. So with a little bit of help, she said, and a lot of work and a lot of patience, she managed to complete the divorce herself. And then she went on to help out friends with divorces. And then she realised that there was a market, you know, she did some market research and she realised there was a lot of people who needed help with getting a divorce and doing it themselves so she set up a DIY divorce uh, company and it covers I mean it covers everything like what our listeners talking about what if I was married in the UK or abroad it doesn't matter once you're residing in Ireland you can get a divorce uh, here in Ireland Uh, also one of the questions was does my husband and wife have to agree to the divorce and no when you receive the first papers there's three options to contest to ignore the papers uh, or or to um, contest whatever option they decide the divorce will still go ahead but that obviously is not going to be an issue here because it's unlikely that the husband is going to to divorce because they have been separated now for over eight years. So I suggest to our listener that you check out that particular organisation, DIYdivorce.ie because they offer help with the preparation of the paperwork and all of that. Can't see if there's a cost involved, but if there is, it'll be a much smaller cost than the price of going to a solicitor. But we put it out there to see, has anybody else locally done it, a DIY divorce was the paperwork very daunting? Where did you go to get advice uh, on it? And how long did it actually take? And as I say, this is for somebody living in the county. If anybody can offer advice, please help us. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. 103 Jobs. A dispatch coordinator is wanted for the donkey sanctuary in Lascaral while a bus driver is wanted for the Newmarket Field areas. Housekeeping assistant wanted, that's for Araglin Nursing Home in Boherbui and a caretaker stroke groundskeeper stroke environmental worker, this is under a CE scheme, is wanted for Blarney in Ascara uh, areas. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is
4: C103.
2: Court today on C103.
4: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. It's
3: hard to believe, but one in five mums have been harassed for breastfeeding in public. It's according to a report by women's health brand L. Vive. My next guest has also experienced negative remarks while attempting to breastfeed her son at a GAA match in Newbridge in County Kildare. Is Isild Mangan is originally from Formoy but now lives in Mayo and Isild joins me. Good morning to you, Isild. Good morning, how are you? I'm very very well, thank you. Now, I suppose the background here, what match were you attending? When did this actually happen to you?
1: Oh, this is going back now, um, I suppose with COVID and everything else, obviously with football matches. It's nearly three years ago at this stage. Three years Um, ago, okay. Outline what happened? Uh, so we had travelled from Mayo up to the match with all of our kids we'd be avid Mayo set fans in this house that wouldn't miss the match very likely. so I had my son who would have been I was three months old at the time um, we'd stopped a few times on the journey up to feed him or whatever else and I usually would feed him the car and then go into a match and hope that he wouldn't wake <laughs> usually wouldn't we had the great ear defenders for him um, this particular day he'd fed that often going off that he slept when we arrived it was like kids were anxious to get into the grounds and I was anxious to get in in case he was going to wake that i get to feed him before the match before anyone else could see me, um, so we headed off down. It was quite a walk to the car back, actually a stadium at the time. And of course, surely as soon as we arrived, he woke up and wanted feeding. Um, at the time, I'd say there were eight people in the grounds. We were literally one of the first people in. Now, the grounds there had very few seats; it's mainly standing, kind of you know the concrete kind of steps that you stand on. Yeah. Um, so I said, okay, look, the seats are obviously going to be for ticket holders with a different ticket, maybe to us, even though it actually wasn't. It was actually. Anyone with a ticket could have sat anywhere, really, but they did have some kind of reserve for people. Um, so I said, look, there's no one here. I just sit up there. I sit down for five minutes, I feed him, and I come back down. So that was grand. As I was heading up, when the stewards came over, he said, no, you can't go up there. Uh, they're kept. I was like, oh, is it okay if I just sit there for five minutes? I just want to feed the baby. And I will go straight back down again before anyone even comes in. And he was like, what do you mean you want to feed the baby? I said, I, I need to feed the baby. The baby's crying, and <laughs> I'm, I'm breastfeeding. I need someone with a back on it to sit down. <laughs> no you can't do that here and I was like oh, well I, I'd be out of the seat before anyone comes he's like no you can't do that in here at all that belongs in the toilet and I was like
3: oh you, you, you can't do that in here yeah. that yeah. belongs that belongs
1: in the toilet or his exact words and I, I literally said to me for real <laughs> I kind of was kind of shook and of course you know when you've just had a baby and he's crying and you get something like that I think I first time as well but um yeah, I kind of went straight back to where my husband and the kids were. Obviously upset enough that another steward um, picked up on us and came over and they and brought another. he had called a lady steward at the time as well, and they came over and they were all kind of being, trying to be nice about it, like and um, yeah, it was. And nice, then did upsetting.
3: they did they then facilitate you to go somewhere with your little baby to to feed?
1: I at that stage wanted to die, I just wanted to sit down beside my husband and the kids and I wanted to feed him where no one else would be Like obviously like literally eight or nine or ten other people that were there they at this stage were all looking at what was going
3: on. <laughs> like, I know. I know. And 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 after a baby, your hormones are all over the place and you're you know, you can be upset the smallest thing can make you upset, even though I don't class this as the smallest of things. It's it ju- it just seems unreal that anyone can come out with a statement like you can't do that as if it's something very unnatural and almost illegal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose for me I wasn't the most confident person of feeding in public in the first place. I mean, we'd been to many matches I would never have said at a match we'd obviously been beforehand, and we would always have been so lucky <laughs> to sleep through matches. I mean, literally we were blessed but if he had woken up I would probably have left the match to go to paradise. But, um, and I think because it was so empty, i was say, OK, I'm, I'm brave enough, I can do this. Like, you know, I have my wrap, my cover, and no one's going to see anything anyway. <laughs> like, I'll do this. And, you know, we're a long way from home, and we really look forward to the game. But, yeah, it was quite a uh, disturbing at the time. And um, I didn't really ever try to feed in public again
3: after it, to be did honest. You, did it actually knock your confidence that much? Oh, absolutely. But I, I thought I was
1: kind of, as I said, look, I wasn't one that had the confidence in the first day, really, either, anyway. And, and I do find
3: it more comfortable sitting in my own car I know I know but isn't isn't that what's wrong we need more women to breastfeed in public to make it be the most natural thing in the world because it is a very natural thing to do
1: yeah it is I like when your baby's hungry your baby's hungry you know no one asks you to go and eat your dinner in the toilet
3: you know yeah and asking to feed a baby in a public toilet surely should never be an option
1: no, it shouldn't. And if you saw the public toilets there, I mean... I, I was, was just going stair. to ask
3: you, what condition were they in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned earlier on when I was teeing up what was coming on the, uh, the programme, I mentioned that you were going to be joining us on this topic. And I referenced the fact that about three years ago, I was actually in Australia for Christmas and we were there to see my sister-in-law, who had just had a baby. She was... Um, about the baby was Emily was about a month old at the time. So we were out and about the whole time. And Australia have... Huge proportion of people who breastfeed it's, it they would almost look at you funny if you pulled out a bottle, I think to feed a newborn baby it 's just such a natural thing to do and yeah. everywhere you go, like we were like everywhere we went, every restaurant we went into, if we stopped for a cup of coffee, no matter where we were maria my sister in law was able to very discreetly breastfeed. It's you know, it's not that you do it as I said earlier, you're not flashing your boob for everyone to see. Yeah, no, but it's most very people dis- feed you're conscious of not flashing anything like But I was I was looking up yesterday, you know, we're still one of the lowest countries in the world for breastfeeding. And I think when you hear stories like yours, I think that's one of the reasons why.
1: Yeah, I suppose it is, and as you say, like if you see it all the time in Australia, you don't see it all the time here. Like it's not been normalised for want of a better word. And I mean, look, breastfeeding is hard and people can choose to do it or not choose to do it. If the baby is fed, a baby is fed. And that's the most important thing. But um, I definitely feel that there's not enough support for people who are trying to feed. I mean, you know, you have all, all these lactation consultants that I could never find one when I needed one. And if I did, it was one you had to pay for. And yeah, you know, words the aren't there for it to become able to be normalized or first become the norm that mm. you grow up seeing it and then the next generation changes when you kind of normalise things within. them.
3: And you have how many, you have other children? I do, I have five now. And did you successfully feed all five?
1: No, I've no. had very different journeys with them all. I tried with all of them. Um, managed with four of them for, yeah, well, six months for three of them, I suppose. Well one done. Of them for kind of three months. But one of them I literally only managed for 24 hours. Oh. So, you know, yeah. It was it so doesn't. It was like, yeah. He was still fed. I mean, yeah.
3: It 10 doesn't years later, always.
1: No difference any of the rest. of them
3: Yeah, you know? and it, it it doesn't always work, and, and nobody should should beat themselves up. But in order you for it to work, to. you do need that support. You do need. You the, do, yeah. In yeah. the in you the maternity. Of, yeah,
1: that people need different, types of, help, different yeah. types of help. like some babies take to it, some babies don't. Even like it's not even there's anything wrong with a mother that it you know can't happen if you want it to happen. It's not necessarily always oh you don't have enough milk or anything like that. Some babies be they have fun ties or different things just one babies
3: friends
1: aren't yeah. able to do it and you know um, and i really up t- to anybody feeding their baby whatever way they want to do it and however they want to do it and whenever they want to do it
3: Yeah but we should we should make it as comfortable as possible for yeah, for, for, for for take a away the
1: obstacles
3: <laughs> Did Kildare GAA apologise to you? Uh,
1: not to me personally no but apparently they did apologise but I never heard anything from them myself Um but the two stewards that I spoke to after the incident happened were very nice, and they were apologists.
3: So, yeah, it was know. just a one steward, but but all Stewart, If that's the case, all stewards need to be educated in this and to explain that that it, that it is okay. Come talking of Mayo, did you, were you at the <laughs> match? Did you watch the match? Where we where? watched
1: the match? Yeah, I yeah, know we didn't get tickets in our house. Now no. we were, um, and we we five there. Now you couldn't divide the amount we'd ever be able to get up between us all. Yeah. <laughs> the fighting would be too much, so we we watched it at home. Uh yeah, absolutely. Great excitement. I have a we have a bit of a prenup up here. It's Mayo for Sam and Cork for Liam, so hey, we're right. Away. Well
3: done. Well <laughs> done. God, it was it was an exciting match, wasn't it? Oh well, the first half now I thought no than come over to work at time
1: thinking we could all go home going, oh god not again.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: But um no, we're ever the optimists, always have hope and yeah, well, I tell that. you that extra
3: that extra time they were just they were like a different team. They were incredible. Absolutely. They were they, yeah, they, they were, were great. They
1: were. And and Our I know had a great run. God loves them. You kind of. Well, I won't say I feel sorry for them they had a super run but it, it is lovely to see and if it's not us the like,
3: guest fan it's lovely to see someone else getting it but I think football needed that it, they did they did indeed somebody actually sent me on a, a picture today of for sale 50,000 seven, 7 in a row t-shirts that they already had the t-shirts <laughs> yeah, they already had nice. yeah that's, that's doing the rounds at the moment <laughs> yesterday actually we were talking about the match and a, a number of listeners were talking about the incident with uh, Owen McLaughlin and his double jaw fracture is, yeah, he, is he okay and he took surgery and everything I believe
1: I I believe so. All, all all we've heard now here is yeah that he's in hospital and he's had double surgery. But I mean, you know, that, that intensity of football and everything else, and I know awful things have been said about the Dublin players and, and, and the Paddy Fowler, John Paul, I can't remember which one of the two of them it was. Like, but I mean,
3: John, yeah, John, yeah, yeah. On purpose. Like, I'm
1: sure the man probably feels terrible himself. But but you know, the high level of intensity involved, I, the referee probably should have you know, the game and I'd be disgusted. It's it's the linesman nearly the referee you appreciate can't see everything all of the time. At that level, maybe he should have seen it, but he should have seen the fall, but it's the linesman that was fifteen yards away. That's you know, I don't know why they have linesmen in GA
3: at this stage. Yeah, you'd have to question why he didn't quite call it out for for what he was. Okay, and yeah. as I said, you're you're a native of Fromoy, have you do you get home much? Have your family in Fromoy? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. My my parents are stealing
1: from and uncle's, uncles, and um, yeah, no, we haven't been home guys. So since the pandemic, we've made it down once and yeah,
8: last
1: year. It's, it's tough, um, but uh, hopefully, we might get down right before the kids go back to school again. Yeah, that was. You know, some... if you bring Liam home, I might have to come down. Yeah, you're, <laughs>
3: you're absolutely, you uh, absolutely have to. And do I, do I take it? Was it the love of a mailman that brought you to mail? That's Not the was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like, like my mother,
1: she married a
3: meal, so you know. Did she? <laughs> she did. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but your your mother got it in reverse. She she got him to go to oh, court. She managed to bring him down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so well, it, well, enjoy the build up uh, to to the because you've got a, a longer wait now. Unfortunately, for the final in uh, for the football final. But listen, enjoy the match uh, next weekend uh, as well as we Thank all you, all cheer you on the Court, though, if we can't come into. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Look after yourself, Thank you. Isolt. Thanks for joining Thank us. So a lovely lady, that is Isolt Mangan, originally from Fermanagh, living in uh, Mayo, with her story of what happened to breastfeeding. Now it was, as I say, uh, three years ago, but it ties in with the fact of a report just out that showing one in five five mums um, have been harassed for breastfeeding in public. It seems incredible that anyone would be har- harassed, and you can't do that kind of thing. In public.
2: 1850 333 Court today on
4: C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
3: Mary, one of our listeners, was onto us by text wondering is there any update on the reopening of day care centres? And I don't know how many daycare centres have actually reopened. I did see a piece on the news when I was off last week of a daycare centre that had reopened and how delighted everybody was to have their daycare centre open and people go there maybe once or twice a week and they missed the companionship of it all because of the COVID restrictions. And the, the Minister for Mental Health and Older People, Mary Butler, actually was at the start of June, confirmed that the HSC was intending there's a 101 day centre i I'm assuming that they're the ones the HSE are involved uh, with and the plan was that they would be reopened by the week of the 5th of July. Then more centres were expected to reopen over the weeks of July and into August with the remaining services that require adaptation works wouldn't be reopening until the end of the year. And she also at the time said that funding was to be made available for centres that required any adaptation works that needed to be done to make the centres COVID-friendly and uh, COVID-safe. So I suppose it's up to individual daycare centres. I don't know. I haven't. I just checked in with John Paul to see when I was off for the last two weeks if he had heard of any daycare centres that have opened uh, locally and he hadn't. So we'll put the shout out to see have any daycare centres. Are any of them back up and running? Uh, Are they open at reduced capacity? Are they back operating the way they were operating before the restrictions? Because certainly they have been closed since we went into the first lockdown which is what now 17 months ago and a lot of people really really miss the daycare centre so let us know if you're involved in a daycare centre has it opened or what are the plans when do you hope to reopen eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. 103 or you could text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now the Cork Nature Network will be hosting a sand art event at Yall Beach and it's going to happen next summer. Sunday. And joining me with more details is Jill Wyman, who is with the Cork Nature Network. Good morning to you, Jill. Good morning. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, the plan is to create a life-size image of an otter. Tell me more about the plans for Sunday. OK. Um, well, it's a local
9: artist, Sean Corcoran, and he specialises in sand art on beaches. And we're working with him, and he is going to produce the an otter's head on a a beach um, near the Market Square in Yule, and he'll be starting that from about 9.30 and finishing about 12.30. So the whole aim is to sort of raise awareness and promote, you know, how important otters are.
3: And how important are otters? Well, they're very important
9: um, because, I mean, Ireland is one of the key strongholds for otters. otters in europe i mean the specific otter species we have is called the euro eurasian otter and in many european countries it's quite scarce but we have quite a good population so it's very very important to actually keep them and maintain them you know because they are under so much pressure with pollution and habitat loss and things like that so you know what we have we need to keep
3: yeah yeah and have you many otters living in the yawl area
9: um, we don't really know um, there was a very famous otter just before Christmas last year called Ollie <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people would know about Ollie he was quite a character he used to wander all around the town but unfortunately he got run over which ah. a lot of otters can do now there are a few more otters reportings around Yule but basically they are around most of the coast and most of our urban centres you will see signs of otter where well, you're very likely to
3: and the, I know there was the Cork Otter Project that was began in 2015.
9: Yes, it's an otter project we run that, um, and basically we are doing a lot of surveying. So at the moment we have a project going on in Cork Harbour and in the city. Um, we have someone going out looking and you find out about otters as you look for their sprays, which is their faeces basically. Okay. And then you can see where where they are because they will have certain places where they were sprained. But we're also looking at doing DNA analysis so that we can find out, you know, how many individuals there are, you know, so it will give us a better picture
10: Mm. of
9: what's happening in the area. And on top of that we're also looking at putting in otter trails. Now what's
3: what's an otter trail? Okay, well it's it's a walk
9: and it'll have different signs along And people can do the walk, get out, enjoy the fresh air, but at the same time learn about otters as well as they're going along the route. So we have one in Cork City that um, we started, I think it was just over two years ago, and that's doing very well. And we're hoping to expand that to Yule, Middleton, and Ballyn and Bishopstown this year. So, you know, we're trying to build a network. And again, that all raises awareness about authors because people do like
3: authors Yeah, yeah, they're a lovely creature, they really are And you are you encouraging members of the public to come along on Sunday to watch uh, Sean create his sand sculpture? They can either come along um, obviously with
9: Covid restrictions you know, socially yeah. distancing or they can, we will be um, videoing it or parts of it and we'll be putting it up on our Facebook page and our social media pages so people can see either way
3: it's an incredible art, isn't it, to work with sand? It's amazing. Yeah. I
9: mean, yeah, I mean, his creations are actually incredible. So we're really looking forward to it.
3: And is he a local artist? Is he a local sand sculptor? He's, he's from Waterford. Okay. And he
9: does, he does lots of sand sculpturing and um, stained glass decoration and things like that. And he teaches schools and... You know, so he's well-renowned. So it's very inf- exciting for us to have him to do that, you
3: know. Okay, so if you're around you all, keep a lookout on a Sunday. And you'll put it up on... Uh, where on your so- on your social media, is it?
9: Well, we have Facebook, Twitter and in pages, so it'll be all on
3: those. Cork so, Nature uh, Network.
9: That's right. And we have a website too, so people can check us out on courtnaturenetwork.ie. Um, so those are the best places to see them. If you can't make it then do
3: do keep a lookout for it. OK, we will indeed listen, Jill. Good luck with it and thanks for joining us on the programme pleasure. Thank well, you morning, very dear. much. Bye bye. Uh, Jill Wyman there of the Cork Nature Network in advance of that sand art event in y'all as I say. I just, I'm fascinated by anybody that can work with sand and the actual sculptures that they produce. They're, I just think they're they're amazing and it is a real, real uh, talent. Okay and let's go from Otters to uh, Wally DeWall. <laughs> He's back all over the papers again today and it seems the reason that he's making headlines today is Wally the Walrus is on the move again and marine observers are hoping that Wally the Walrus is now on his way back home and of course his home is in the Arctic. He has been spotted of course in Ireland particularly in West Cork in recent weeks. He's also, he had been spotted previous to that in the UK. He was in France and there was even even a sighting and they reckon it's the same walrus that he was spotted in Spain earlier on this year. And it's this growing phenomena of Arctic mammals leaving their habitat and then arriving in Ireland that is causing the real major concern to marine observers. And Eamon McGovern is the founder of the Ocean Research and Conservation Association of Ireland. They're known as as Orca. She's speaking in the papers today and she described the data about these Arctic mammals as really really uh, shocking. Orca Island developed an app where people if you spot a marine mammal things like sharks and dolphins or in this case a walrus. People are asked to to take a picture and then record the GPS uh, location and it's through that it's called Citizen Science uh, Crowdsourcing. They're looking at that data and they're starting to see more of these Arctic species showing up here in Ireland and they shouldn't be showing up here in Ireland and that's where the real worry uh, is you know and emer is saying you know, what in God's name is going on with these animals why are, why are they coming here and of course a lot of the fingers are pointing to uh, climate uh, change I mean it's not just uh, seals there have been sea lions have also been spotted in our waters and she said people used to think climate change affects developing countries but she says it's coming much closer to home. She said Wally has been a very big story but he's certainly not the first Arctic species that has been recorded in uh, Ireland. There was two resident seal species in uh, Ireland uh, but we're getting more of these Arctic uh, mammals and that's the big, big worry. In January of twenty twenty there was a hooded seal, and that's another really large marine mammal that ended up getting stranded in Skull in West Cork Seal Rescue, Ireland. Have also had to rescue a rimmed seal. Pop that was uh, beached in Timolique back in 2017 and the hope is that they'll stop making the journey to Irish waters because they really shouldn't be here and of course Eimear and her colleagues at Orca, they've been working all week to try to make a site for Wally so that he can rest I mean there was talks of having some kind of a couch some kind of a pontoon for him where he could uh, rest because the problem was that he was resting on boats and we know the damage that he did to a number of Uh, recreational uh, vessels. And actually, the Emer McGovern of Orca also issued a warning uh, to people to be very careful when they come in contact with uh, Wally, because it seems some people are trying to get very up close and personal. But at the end of the day, this is a wild animal. There was reports of a woman who got onto a boat. This was a boat that Wally, the walrus, had got onto to rest and some woman tried to get onto the boat with the walrus in order to get a selfie and you know the thing is this is the end of the day it's a wild animal the Reckon Wally is about 800 kgs in weight also has very large tusks you know he in a panic he could flip the boat that woman could have got injured so the message is you know if spot Wally the walrus it's okay to take photographs but do it from a distance I mean even groups like the Ocean Research and Conservation Organisation they're trying to look at him from, with binoculars from land. They're trying to keep as far away from him as possible because, you know, as it is a wild animal. You don't want to spook him at either. So the message is if you do spot Wally, feel free, of course, to take your photographs. But please, please leave him alone and don't try to get up cl- close and personal in order to get a selfie with him. Back to Afghanistan and a text in from Michael to say, Patricia, hi. Lloyd George said in 1921, 100 years ago, that it would take millions to take the hooligans off the mountains in Ireland. You never put down guerrilla warfare. Fair. The Yanks, the Americans, failed in Vietnam. At what cost, ponders Michael. They should never, ever have gone into Afghanistan some 20 years ago. How many lives have been lost there? The pain and the suffering caused to so many families. Furthermore, the trillions of dollars spent on that war for the last 20 years and people starving on their own doorsteps at home in America. They had no problem voting through the massive amount of money it took to fund the Afghan war through the houses in the Senate. Yes, they disagree to raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. President Biden is right to get the hell out of there. I wonder if any of those saying that the Americans should stay have sons and daughters there. I, I doubt it. Yeah, and that's the one thing that you think of from the American point of view is their own country people's lives that will be saved by pulling out of Afghanistan and I was reading a bio from a, a gentleman this week who had I'd never heard of this phrase before but he called it his bangiversary and he was a soldier who lost both of his legs in Afghanistan about uh, 10 years ago bangiversary Bangversary being the day he stood on an, an IED you know a landmine and it blew both of his legs off and uh, he was remembering all the fallen fallen soldiers the ones that didn't come back and he felt lucky even though he'd lost both of his legs but he felt lucky that he had come back from it but he was talking about the huge huge loss of life on the American side and you know people will ponder and ask for what. Uh, a little bit like what happened in Vietnam as well. Uh, thank you for that, Michael. Eighteen fifty three 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 one oh three. Our lines are open. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text you can WhatsApp to O eight six two one oh three one oh three and we will catch up with your comments and calls that have been coming into the programme all morning and also in the next hour, Joe Heffernan joins us because it's Tuesday and in the advance of schools reopening. We're doing a piece on dyslexia today. That's all to come. Afternoons
2: at twelve. Court today on C one oh
4: three. On Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See mig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: It's Mary's and Skibbereen says, Patricia, uh, can you tell me please what I need to do to enter your hurling competition? I'm assuming you're talking about us all trying to get behind our All-Ireland hurling finalists. We're asking people to show their support by decorating their house by decorating their business in the Cork uh, colours Gelta flags in the bunting and all of that and we're running a bit of a competition just to add a kind of a bit of an incentive to it and on Thursday we, er, Thursday evening we'll be announcing the winners best house in Cork City or County is going to get 500 euro and best business in Cork City or County also getting 500 euro and how you enter you need to take a photograph of your premises and WhatsApp the picture we can only accept it by WhatsApp because the plan is that we're hoping to put up some of these pictures onto our social media sites as well and that's why we need you to WhatsApp it in. So Mary, WhatsApp it to 0862103103. and can I wish you luck with it. And actually talking about getting out the flags and the bunting, we had uh, a couple of people saying that they were having difficulty fi- finding flags and uh, bunting. Well, lo and behold as soon as I mentioned it, we had a host of people still calls coming in today saying that there are people out and about on the streets, Tom in Rathcormac was on to say there's a guy f- selling flags from a car he is over the bridge in Fromoy as you head towards Mitchellstown now that will be of use to our listener in Fromoy uh, in particular who yesterday went downtown and couldn't find anybody selling flags so there's somebody selling them out of the back of his car for, uh, over the bridge as you head towards Mitchellstown in Fromoy. and someone else was on to say there's a guy selling flags at O'Brien Street in Kenturk and I certainly spotted a gentleman selling flags uh, yesterday again on Main Street in Mallow and he had a whole host of buntings and different uh, flags and then Pat says that he saw a man who was selling flags in Charleville just trying to make a few bob and, he, and Pat says lo and behold along comes one of our brave blue shirts took his name and told him to go isn't it a nice country we have which got me thinking do you have to have some kind of a licence to sell those flags even though I thought that was something that Always happens whenever we have an All Ireland, and I thought it happened in every single county. That as soon as they get close to an All Ireland, some entrepreneur ter- turns up and starts selling the flags. And I don't know if you'd need to have a certain license or not, but uh, according to Pat, that's uh, what happened in uh, Charleville, eighteen fifty-three, three-three-one-zero-three. And I mentioned daycare centres earlier. And Mary was wondering when her daycare centre is opening and I gave the official line that's come from the government that they should... Some have already started to open in July, more to open this month in August. Some may be delayed until the end of the year because works need to be done. And I'm putting the shout out for people to let us know if the daycare centre in your area is opened. to let us know, please, so that we can give a mention and wish everybody the best of luck. And somebody was on to say, I've just heard that the Cove Daycare Centre is opening today. So the best of luck to everybody attending the Cove daycare centre according to that listener it is opened today as I say if you've heard of anywhere else that's opening their daycare centres let us know, please, because people are desperate uh, to have them back. Now, I'm told I need to go to the phone lines because Bridget in uh, Charterville is back on to us. Good afternoon to you, Bridget. Hello, Patricia. How are you? I'm, 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 I'm very well. And judging by what I'm reading on the screen <laughs> in front of me, you're happy as well. Just to, I, just I to remind listeners, you were the lady who had an American driver's license. Right. And you needed to do your you needed to do your test all over again here in That's Ireland. That's right,
11: and take driving lessons.
3: Okay, but you were you were stuck at the very beginning. Part. I was
11: because I got my um, lessons or or my uh, theory test was postponed like twice, and then I went in and they had me down for a motorbike the last time. Okay.
3: And then you had you had a, you got a new test date for last Thursday. Last Thursday, and I passed it. Drum roll! Well <laughs> done, and congratulations to you. what was it nerve wracking? Um, it was a little bit. Uh, it was really um, because some of the questions,
11: you know, like about a tractor and stuff like that. I thought, oh, for goodness sake! But. Um, the funny thing, what well, I thought it was funny, they check everything, you know, your pockets. You have to put your bag in the locker and all, but they even check my glasses in case there was spyware
3: on them. What? <laughs> so you could cheat? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I must look the part. <laughs> <laughs> and and where, where did you
11: end up sitting your theory test? In Chalfont. Oh, you got Chalfont, which was great, and you know it was took about 15 minutes, I think, really. Okay. And you get an hour, so it was, was no problem. But um, the other ongoing from that, I had a call from my insurance company asking me to send a copy of my driver's license in. And I said, now, you know that I'm driving on my American license, because I checked it with them. And they had said, no problem, as long as I had a valid license. So then she said, well, where are you with the Irish license now? And I Explained. And she said, Well, the underwriters need a copy of your license and we want you to send your no claim bonus certificate back.
3: So. As in return it to them? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
11: And, and let them know what's happening with my Irish driver's license. Right. I said, Well, I haven't been able to take the theory test. I mean, that's known all over, surely.
3: I'm 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 scratching my head. Why why do they want your no claims bonus is because you haven't made any claims. Right. Why do they want you to return it to them? I don't know. Because the
11: underwriters want to look at it and look at my driver's license. Mm. So now I have a concern are they going to say we won't insure you or you don't get your no claims bonus?
3: That would make your insurance very, very expensive if you lose. How long has your no claims bonus been running? Well, it's been running for
11: nine years because they took yeah. my American one.
3: Yes, yeah, so you've you've the top. You, yeah. you can't go any higher. Yeah, that no. would be that. That could that would nearly double your insurance. Oh, it would. It would. Yeah. Uh, it would. Oh, and so. So, okay, you have your theory test now. Yeah. So what yeah. next? And driving licenses. I mean driving lessons.
11: But now. you you don't oh.
3: have to take the full twelve. I have to take six. Okay,
11: six and uh, and then I have to apply for the the license, the driver's license test. After I've completed those,
3: and I hate to tell you, the waiting list. For, I know. Uh, is
11: I know I might be on a motorbike after yeah, all. Yeah, you may be. Maybe yeah, a yeah. Little
3: scooter. <laughs> you're, you're lucky <laughs> that you have a sense of humour about, about all of this. Will you keep keep let us know what the insurance company says? I will. I will. I'd be really interested. Yeah, uh, in because. That. It's it's due on the 1st of September, so I think yeah. I'll go
11: online today and see what's
3: yeah. what's what's what. And your US driving licence is still in date? Oh yes, it's valid for another four years Oh yeah, actually. you're okay. You're, so you're, I'm you're, fine, you're, that you're, way, you're, thank you're, God. You're okay on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, um, and of course, just to remind listeners, you, your car is important because oh, your, yeah. your husband doesn't drive. Well, well, he can't
11: drive because he's got Alzheimer's.
3: Yeah, but you need to to... But
11: I have to really... Yeah, I mean, my family are brilliant and everything, but you know they're working and have got families of their own
3: yeah.
11: and all that. And uh, and I like my independence. Sleep, okay. but I'm I can walk into town if the worst comes to the worst. So
3: I that's know. Not no, bad. you need your car. You need your car. You, and, your car. you were, and how many years did you drive in the states? Twenty-five. Did you ever have an accident? Never. Did and you? I drove for t- for uh, twenty in London. <laughs> <laughs> and did you pass your test first time? Can you? I did. You did. did. Well, did. well done. Well done, and well done. In both times, actually. Oh, you took oh you took a lot. You took a test in the states as well. I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've driven on very busy roads. If you were if you were driving, yeah, yeah,
11: yeah. I have. But oh. uh, anyway, so um, I'm about to get my L plates now. <laughs> so tell the your listeners, watch out for the little grey haired lady with silver streaks <laughs> in her hair with the L plates <laughs> up
1: on the Duke. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, and and yeah, the, you know, I've just another problem now. I've just foreseen. You need to have a fully licensed driver with you when your L plates are up. <laughs> I do.
11: But now, you see, my husband is fully licensed. I'm That's wondering it. if that'll work.
3: Yeah, that, let him have his license with him in the car. I don't <laughs> see why not. He's a fully licensed uh, That's right. driver. And I
11: mean, he looks like there's nothing wrong with him. I
3: know. I know so it's the, but we
11: don't have to tell the police that if we, if
3: we get stopped. And Camille, how... Well, of course, now I've told now him. Now you've told that? him. Yeah, be quiet. Dye <laughs> your hair quickly. She's not hair haired at all. <laughs> C- Camille, how is your husband doing? He's doing good.
11: Is He's he? doing good. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, some days are not as good as others. But generally... Um, he's good and you know he still treats me like the princess he always has
3: so ah, long will I, that last and
11: indeed yeah so I'm, I'm very lucky
3: that way well congratulations yeah. and Thanks. I can see because every now and again we would get a text in from somebody say any update on Bridges and Charleville <laughs> I, so there's a lot of people rooting for you I'll yeah, tell well, you that maybe I can have a regular spot that's now. it yeah that's it <laughs> we'll, we'll have a run through on the lessons and how they're all going for you I will. All right. Take care. God bless. Take care. God bye. bless. Bye bye. 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 Our oh, lovely lady, Bridget and Charlotte, with a little bit of good news for us that she has passed her theory test and she is on the road to driving full time but God knows when she's going to get that lesson. We need to be sending a lot of positive vibes her way. Okay, let me go to more of your commentary coming in. Can I just give you some of the comments that came in? Uh, reacting to Iselt Mangan who joined us when I was talking about that survey that's out showing one in five Irish women have received some kind of negative commentary around trying to breastfeed their babies in public and Iselt joined us to to share a story of something that happened to her. Now I know this three years ago but it's hard to believe that there are still women today who are out in public trying to breastfeed a baby, trying to discreetly breastfeed a baby and they can have negative uh, commentary. Uh, And Izzel's story happened at a GAA match in County Kildare when a steward came and said uh, to her you can't be doing that here. As if it was something completely illegal what she was trying to do. All she was trying to do was breastfeed her little baby who was hungry. Jim says that was an awful statement to come out from that, what Jim calls ignorant Stuart about that lady trying to breastfeed her son as if it was something out of the ordinary when in fact breastfeeding is the most natural thing for a mother and a baby to do as all animals do. Some of those stewards, according to Jim, can be a little bit ignorant and so officious and no cop on. And It, it, it seems to Jim like the power can go to their heads. For example, he says, there was a steward at the Cork-Dublin match in Thurles going around asking people to put on their masks, which a steward is quite entitled to do, might I add. But Jim says, this steward was going around saying to people, put on your mask, put on your mask. But his own mask was only covering his mouth. It wasn't covering his nose. And we all know in order for the mask to wear properly... They must cover your mouth and uh, nose. The majority of stewards at GA matches are okay and are helpful, but you'll always get a few. Says uh, Jim. And in fairness, Dizzle, she said the same thing. That other stewards copped what happened and came over and actually apologized, and you know tried to do their best to sort to sort out the situation. Because she was so upset at the time, she just she burst into tears when this guy started saying you can't be doing that uh, here. So yeah, there will be. There'll always be some. Who just I suppose won't uh, understand? And some Jim, you're right. Some will. The power just goes to their head. And I'm right in saying that the stewards at all those GA matches—they are volunteer. They don't get paid, so they don't. They're all uh, volunteers. So maybe, maybe some, maybe some, just go on a power trip, which which shouldn't happen. It absolutely shouldn't happen. And um, Michelle says, listening to Isle's story, that I can only imagine the type of man that said that to Izul. So there are certain types of men. And women, I suppose, but men in the main when it comes to breastfeeding in this country who feel everything should be hidden. It's a very backward attitude. Yeah. And the reason we wanted to highlight it was when we saw this survey and when we heard about Isol's story, I wanted to highlight it in the hope that we can stop that kind of an attitude. And by stopping that kind of an attitude for young mothers having their babies, they will feel more relaxed going out in in public because it's just, it's, because as Isel said it's a confidence thing as well to be able to breastfeed your, your baby and not everyone is very confident about doing that in public and new mothers first time mothers you know trying to get into the whole breastfeeding properly and making sure that the baby is latched on and all of that it's, you know, it's a difficult job to do as it is because babies naturally don't know how to breastfeed they almost have to be taught and, and a first time mother certainly has to be taught how to do it how to help the baby so we need to be able to give them as much encouragement as we we can. And so that's one of the reasons I wanted to highlight that story in the hope that we can stop it and that for future mums they won't ever have a situation like that and we'll talk about something that used to happen in the past when a mum went out to breastfeed in public. 1850 103. Uh, our lines are open. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp
2: 0862
4: 103
2: 103. The C103 Cork Diary.
4: With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do.
3: Mitchellstown Library. They're hosting a fun window expo of town culture and family history and they're doing it across this week from the 14th of August through to the 21st. Please take a look. This week's home bingo books for Kildalry Community Development uh, are on sale at the usual outlets. Every week you have a chance to win one of five full houses of €50 euro, and then there's the snowball prize it stands at €550 euro this week and staying on bingo the next drive-in bingo for Cadalery will take place on the 20th of uh, August which is it's at this Thursday 8 o'clock in the Creamery Yard in Castletown Bear Development Association they are continuing with their drive-in bingos that's on this Friday at 8 o'clock at the Bearer Coast Hotel Car Park the jackpot there is €1,200 in forty-seven calls, and I've just realised the drive in Bingo for Kildallery is also on Friday night at eight o'clock in the Creamery Yard.
2: Court today on C one hundred three with John
4: Cusack. Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
3: And just continuing on the flags theme, and where flags are available, John in uh, Carrigaline says just beyond Collins. Super Value in Carrigaline. There is a guy selling flags there if people are looking for flags because we're encouraging people to get out the bunting and the flags and to decorate your house and decorate your business. But you need to WhatsApp the photographs to us to be ordered to be in with a chance of winning our competition. 500 euro for the best house, 500 euro for the best business. And as we know, there is reduced capacity at Croke Park for the final next Saturday. So tickets are at an absolute premium. And I can already see some people are sending in requests and saying, can you put a shout out? I'm looking for a ticket for me and my son. Any chance of getting a, a ticket? Not going to even get into that because they are at such a premium so people are looking for lots of ways to actually watch the match and to be together and to enjoy and hopefully to enjoy a win
12: how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment
3: On uh, Sunday, Justin Nagel is in Ballonhasic and I think he's come up with a cle- very clever way to watch the match. Good afternoon to you, Justin.
8: Good afternoon, how are you?
3: I'm, I'm very well. Now, you're in Ballonhasic. Tell that's me what correct. you are planning to do on Sunday.
8: Uh, well, on Sunday we're hoping to actually travel up to Dublin and, and watch the match um, somewhere in Dublin, um, with the grace of God. If we get tickets, we'll watch it in the, in Croke Park, but uh, that's, that's unlikely. But um, at home here, uh, on my house, I've hung a, a giant four foot by eight foot screen, essentially made up with, with lights that I use on the house at Christmas. Um, and at the moment, it's playing a message just wishing the team good luck and and our, our own Ballenhasick, our local boys, both on the minor and the senior team. So just wishing them good luck and, and well, putting up our, our red and white flags. for And are you team. are
3: you getting much reaction to the video screen?
8: I am definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with car stopping every night, so come on at 8, I don't know, until midnight. Um, and there's music playing, so you can actually tune in your, your car radio when you're outside the house and, and listen to the music. <laughs> and what's, four what's, songs what,
3: what's the music you're playing?
8: Uh, well, we've the team tune from the Sunday game, obviously. Yeah, yeah. In there. Um, we have the Boys of Fair Hill. Um, we have a. a Come on, you Rebels. It is a song that was released a couple of years ago. I think for one of our last trips to a final. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Um,
3: yeah, yeah, go
8: on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we have the the Frankenwaters. Then I would have been a, a ah, Frankenwater. Then yeah. growing up and when they're. When after all, Allington was made famous again by the Young Offenders, I, I said
3: it. We all there. we all associate the that with North Cork North North now North 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 after, North. after the after after the after the Young Offenders. It's terrific, and I know you've sent on a, a WhatsApp of it t- uh, to us, um, and, and I'm sure John Paul she will try and share it on social media because it really is great. So, where exactly in Ballinhasick are you for people to spot it?
8: So, if we're we're on the road, I suppose between the halfway and Kinsale along that road. So, if you're if you're coming out of say or coming from from west. If you turn right at the roundabout at the halfway, we're about three kilometres up that road.
3: And is it lit all day or just lit at night?
8: Just at night. Well, first thing in the morning, so it's kind of from half six to half eight. So when it's well, it's dusk because uh, it, it's very hard to see in daylight. Yeah, so yeah. No in yeah. having it on, um, and at eight o'clock in the evening until midnight.
3: It's terrific. It is terrific. Uh, well done. So yeah, your your is. plan is you don't have a ticket, obviously.
8: No, no, no ticket.
3: But no. you you still go to Dublin.
8: Yes, yeah, i planning on making a trip up so um, one of our close neighbours here, Darrell O'Sullivan, is, is playing on the minor team and he's playing in Turles on Thursday night so we might even stop off in Turles on Thursday night on the way up to Dublin and then, as I say, pray around Dublin <laughs> Sunday morning <laughs> in the hope we can find a ticket somewhere You might so, be lucky yeah. I, I've lost his cousin from Kilkenny so I've reached out to them on Facebook and, and said, you know they remember do not need any tickets yeah. <laughs> this yeah. year with uh if, if they're
3: offered any to hold on to them well, de- well, well what you've done with the video screen I think you're you're more deserving of a, a ticket so good, good luck with the ticket hunt if not just enjoy the, it'll, be, it'll be nice to watch uh, to sample the atmosphere in Dublin it as well was, so, so, so enjoy day. that so yeah. well, well done Justin thank you for that
6: thank you very
3: much thanks for joining us um, bye bye good afternoon to you Justin Nagel in Ballonhasic with that video supporting the Cork hurlers. it really is quite stunning if you're in Ballonhasic keep a lookout for it please just some more of your comments to wrap up with Michael in Newmarket says elderly people have had to travel to Belfast for eye surgery people were going blind if they didn't go on the cataract bus how can we even begin to think about bringing more people into this country this is to do with the Afghan uh, refugees when we can't mind our own hospitals and schools are overrun and here in the news with Barry 40 on trolleys in CUH today we have housing problems says Michael would we not be better looking after our own first to all these people paid their taxes all of their lives and yet going blind and now we're asking him to get on a bus to go to Northern Ireland for an operation something is wrong in this uh, country that's from Michael in North Cork oh and then we had reaction to divorce remember our listener didn't want me to call her name out which is fine she is uh, living apart from her husband now with 8 years they weren't. she was married in the UK split up from her husband eight years ago seven and two children moved back to Cork have been living here since her husband has moved on he is uh, living abroad they don't have any assets money there's nothing like that uh, shared between them its it wouldn't be a complicated divorce but she does think the time is right now for divorce went to solicitors couldn't believe how much money they were going to charge and she was saying you know could she do it herself was it possible and I was saying I've certainly done interviews on DIY uh, divorces in the past and I mentioned that group the DIY divorce divorce.ie, but I didn't know if they were still operating or not. Well Lily has been on to say, yeah, that group DIY Divorce.ie are still very much up and running they're based in Dublin they send you out all the paperwork that you need there is a charge involved but it depends on the circumstances and if people are contesting different aspects which I don't think looking at this email from our listener there's going to be anybody contesting anything uh, Lily says in her case it cost 700 euro which is a lot less than what you were paying to a solicitor so that's diydivorce.ie so they are still up and running thank you for that uh, Lily, and I had a couple of WhatsApps in as well. This is said, Patricia, could you, the lady uh, inquiring about the DIY divorce, tell her to contact Munster Mediation. They helped me with the DIY divorce, and I found them very helpful. They're based in Cork, too. It normally takes about six months in total to complete. A lot will depend on court date availability. Hope it works out for her, but it is possible for her to do it. Herself, so that's DIY. Uh, that's DIY divorce. Monster meditation. I'm sorry. again, monster mediation. If her listener wants to check that out, and somebody else says, "Yes, Patricia, I did my divorce uh, myself. It is an easy thing to do." Uh, tell that lady to get involved. She will be well able to do it. Okay. So a number of people are saying that that is certainly the way to uh, go. And someone else says, "Well done to Macroom Mart." They are well decked out with the cork colours. And somebody, John and McCroom, sending on a picture of McCroom Marts. Thank you for that. 1850 John Paul. Taking your calls, you can text our WhatsApp to 862
2: 103 103 Cork Today
4: on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103
4: Having just spoken to
2: uh, Bridget
3: earlier this hour from uh, Hay outside of Charleville, who finally passed, well finally got a date for her theory test and we knew she was going to pass her flying colours and she did. Well her niece Yvonne has been on to say send say a big hello and congratulations to her on passing her theory uh, test. Uh, thank you for that Yvonne. Okay, Joe Heffernan uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And we are approaching, heading back to school. You can already see it. I I saw a couple of parents at the weekend in one of the supermarkets, you know, the aisle where all the pencils were and the copy books. And there was one woman and she had her mobile phone out and she was flicking through various pages obviously trying to work out how many of this she needed and she just really? got to help her. She looked fraught, I have to say. But anyway, uh, so it is going back to school uh, time. It's, it's very much on, on people's minds. Mm. So this is timely. Uh, today we're going to be talking about dyslexia. Now, mm. the f- they, and, and we'll do a definition of dyslexia in a moment, but just the one thing to start with is that dyslexia is not in any way linked to the intelligence of your son or daughter or to an individual.
13: Well, to tell you the truth, it can be the very opposite. Uh, The minute I'm talking to someone and if they tell me they're dyslexic, I immediately assume that they're highly, I mean highly intelligent. Um, uh, And it must have been awful in the past, I hope in the past anyway, for people to be sitting at the back of the class being kind of like uh, labeled as being stupid or whatever, and that they could easily be by a mile the most intelligent person in that room, including the teacher. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, uh, uh, like, for example, um, if people are amazed to hear Winston Churchill was dyslexic. Muhammad Ali was dyslexic. Agatha Christie, the great writer, mm-hmm. dyslexic. The men that we all had to learn off for the leaving search, W.B. Yeats, the poet, was dyslexic. Um Apparently, his original, you know, scribble down the poem, uh, well, you 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 couldn't make head nor tail of it until, you know, uh, yeah. No, the 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 recent guy who's been flying to Mars, uh, not to Mars, no, not quite, into In space. space. Uh, Richard Branson, yeah, it's, it's, he,
3: yeah. He's
13: dyslexic. As openly
3: well. speaks about it, yeah, and openly speaks about how difficult school was for him because yeah. of his dyslexia. Yeah, and none of those now did too bad, did they? No, no, no. Okay, what the definition of dyslexia? How do you describe it? Well,
13: I suppose difficulty reading. Um, What we'll call a a reluctant reader Um, in the early years, now seven to twelve, reluctant reader. Um, You know, books. um, They, you see, they pose a threat. if a person's reading ability when it's tested is not in line with their chronological age. For example, if a young person is 11 and when tested for their reading, it comes out at a reading age of 8, okay, that's three years behind their chronological age. Mm. So that needs then to be investigated for sure. And uh, another sign would be... um, Confusing letters that sort of look a little bit alike, like B and D, like uh, bed could become deb, you know, um, known as um, reversals. Comprehension wouldn't be good, because each word is a separate word to be looked at on the page without necessarily tying it all together, like what's the message, um uh, the message might necessarily might necessarily be clear. It would be just a series of words, uh, one after the other. So um, there would be um, uh, signs or um, indicators that um, a person, a young person, uh, would uh, more certainly need to um, uh, to be assessed because. It's a shame that uh, people can uh, go through such an awfully hard time and suffer an awful lot. Their self-esteem can suffer so badly. And in fact, all it needs is that, um, you know, that the problem would be named and therefore
3: Help uh, able given. to
13: be dealt with.
3: Yeah. And the mm. good news is that teachers today are very aware of dyslexia, very aware at seeing the warning signs and then they were, say, when we were talking about when we were in school and, you know, in in previous times when people really didn't understand what dyslexia was at all. And as you say, some were just, I mean, I remember there was one girl in, in my class and without a shadow of a doubt I now realise it was dyslexia that she suffered from she had huge problems whenever it came to her turn to read uh, in, mm-hmm. in class right throughout my primary school years I can remember this girl struggling just to read basic text in an English book and I now realise she had dyslexia but we didn't know we didn't, I don't know it had even, the, the name was even out there what dyslexia was but yep. it is it is very different today because children will for a couple of years Hide it. They get very good, and this goes back to the intelligence level of so many people with dyslexia. Mm. They almost learn off the script.
13: Yeah, yeah, and um, we'll kind of guess at what uh, the word is. Maybe is down there. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, and that can often go wrong because, um, like, they might go for the first two letters, like. Um, A word starting right with M, M M-I, we'll say, that might be, um, the word might be minor, but the the young person will say might, M-I-G-H-D, because they go by the M-I, and then they kind of wing it after that. I saw an advert on the telly recently, very, very recently, maybe a day or two ago, um, uh, uh, showing a sort of... uh, it looked to me like a flashlight or a um, a, a fat pen, um, you know, um, uh, and and when it's pointed at the lines of writing, it translates the writing into audio uh, um, through um, you know one of these um, earbuds. Mm-hmm. And I thought, golly, wouldn't that wouldn't that solve a lot of problems? Because I, I did student counselling in UCC for seven seven years plus. And the the amount. Of, no, I'm not saying it was a, huge, but a big a big number of people that uh, I would have had chats with um, uh, would have told me that they were dyslexic. And um, now these people would be doing sort of astrophysics, like they'd be they'd be highly intelligent. They'd be doing frightfully complicated um, courses, um, uh, but they wouldn't spell cashier. They, 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 they could put down TAC for cash, but it didn't matter a hoot because um, there were there was all sorts of um, uh, help available, you know.
3: Well, technology uh, has come on so far. I mean, even yeah. with a even with a smartphone, rather than having to type out a text message, you can. You know, you can use the audio feature. You know, speak it into your phone, and it'll type it out for you. So there's there's lots, of, and I know for leaving cert and a junior cert, somebody who has been diagnosed, somebody who would be um, a severe case of dyslexia, they'll get a scribe. They'll have somebody sitting in with them who'll write what they want to say for their answers.
13: Yep. And the so there is write help there. Right away, and uh, while the uh, the person doing the test will. Talk. their answer. Yeah, it's um, it's great that that can happen. Now, the one of the things that people parents and absolutely need to know is that um, uh, there has to be a full assessment by a specifically educational.
3: Your phone now is going a little bit distant on us. Are you on mobile oh. today? Yeah, you're perfect. Area one. Yeah, go on. yes. you're explaining that the, an assessment needs to be done.
13: Yeah. Yeah. Um, to get these concessions and uh, it needs to be done in a very timely way because if you're doing your leaving cert in June, there isn't much point in applying in May. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, an educational psychologist uh, needs to um, uh, formally say, yes, this person suffers from, uh, if that's the word, I don't know as it suffers from anymore, has dyslexia. Um and then the person gets the concessions that we that you just mentioned there, like the scribe are doing the exam into the um, uh, recorder or, or or whatever. So that's very important because you know the way it is that we'll say, you know and I know that a pothole is a pothole on the road. But, like, it isn't a pothole until an engineer says it's that's a, a pothole. Yeah. So it's like that, like, with the... Um, with with the dyslexic um you need uh, to
3: get the diagnosis
13: you need to get it done formally but yeah? if
3: uh, if as a parent you are concerned about your child's ability to read ability to write, and you you know you you think you know you may have concerns that they could be dyslexic talk to the teacher
13: absolutely um talk to the 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 teacher talk to the principal um uh You know, maybe um, uh, I've had occasions here uh, in my own work. Now and again, we're just listening to a person talking about their experience in school. This would be a young person now. Um, And this happened, and then that happened, and I'd be thinking, "Mm, I wonder, could this person be dyslexic? And I do a screening test. And um, in, in quite a few cases, the screening test would indicate yes dyslexia and um i would have had um uh, numbers for a couple of educational psychologists that work privately and um the person would get the educational psychologist to come to the home and uh he or she would do the test and uh and then the official uh diagnosis if that's the correct word would be made and um and then that would be that end of it sorted. But it's so much better and it doesn't cost to do it because that process can be very expensive uh, to do it through the school, the educational psychologists that are employed by the Department of Education.
3: Yeah. Okay, Lister says, Patricia, my son was only diagnosed in leaving cert with dys- uh, dyslexia. I ended up having to get him... A, 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 assessed myself there was yeah. a big gap between him and the next child but my son went right through school right up to leaving cert without it being picked up and not diagnosed he then went on yeah. to college there was huge help available for him in college once he had yeah. his diagnosis he has now gone on to get a degree in business uh, so yeah. he's done well he's he's done yeah. he's done well um, and yeah. that and I have you're not the first that I've I've heard that happen to people struggling with trying to get a young person or a child diagnosed I'm hoping that it's getting better I really am hoping it's getting better and I think teachers I think you know and I'm assuming it's well covered now in teacher training uh, colleges mm. more so now than it was previously because I would hate to think that a child would struggle all throughout and doesn't get a diagnosis until leaving sir. that's just Absolutely. not fair just not I
13: mean fair. the ideal age uh, Patricia to have this uh, diagnosed The ideal age is around nine or ten. Mm. Um, And imagine that young person struggling along, struggling big time up to leaving cert. I mean, it doesn't bear thinking about. But But
3: it again shows the intelligence of that young man. Yeah. Yeah, You know that he yeah. that, that he got through all of that and obviously the fact that the mum went off and got the assessment done herself she yeah. had her concerns which I'm assuming she had brought to the school but then yeah. the, the, the school can be limited in the amount of assessments that they could do and then of course if he was doing okay and was you know, really using all of his intelligence to cover the fact that he didn't yeah. have dyslexia. You know, maybe it wasn't as obvious, but well done to yeah. that. That's a, um, a, a mum's like that. I always think we can be like tigers when it comes yeah. To, yeah. to our cubs and protecting yeah. them and saying there's something wrong here. I, I want to get this uh, checked out. Okay, Absolutely. listen, uh, we leave it there. Um, thank you for that, Joe. Mm. And we'll talk again next uh, Tuesday. But thanks for Thank joining you, us, Patricia. Good morning to you. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohabui. His number, if you would like to contact him, is oh eight six eight three four eight one four five. That's oh eight six eight three four. 8145 uh, OK that's where I wrap it up for today I'm still seeing people saying how can they send on their photographs can we send them on by email no unfortunately you can't the only way we can accept the photographs of your houses and your businesses be decked with all the colours of cork in advance of the all Ireland hurling final the only way we can accept them is by, uh, it's by WhatsApp to 08621 103 103 0862 103 103. And you need to have them in, get working on it because the winners are going to be announced on Thursday evening. So get moving. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick's Up Next.
2: Court today on C103 with John Cusack
4: Insurances sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.